What's stopping you from making the progress with your business that you really want to make? You have a goal. You want more sponsors. You want more business. You want to grow. You want to do whatever it is you want to do. But why hasn't it happened yet? Well, that is what we get to with Andrew Alinda on the Rebel Coaching Series. Why is it not happening yet? And what do we need to do to make it happen? Because the difference between a successful entrepreneur and someone who talks about entrepreneurship is getting it done. So let's take action, let's make it happen, and let's get it done. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun, and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So welcome to episode nine of the Rebel Coaching Series with Andrew Alinda Callie to the crowd. Welcome back, Andrew. Alan, thank you so much for having me back on the podcast. I feel like an absolute veteran of this podcast. <laughs> We've done a lot of episodes together now. Nine plus the transition one, 10 plus the YouTube one, 11. Like We've done a lot of podcasts together. We have, we have. At what point do I just basically become part of the rebel entrepreneur stuff? Like, I'm just part of the furniture. Well, let's start now. I now knight you, Sir Andrew <laughs> Alinda, of the rebel family. Exactly. Uh, arise. <laughs> Get all the um, rebel entrepreneur stuff, just doing handstands all in the middle of uh, wherever they are, actually. Oh, I love that idea. They're all dotted around the country, aren't they? Yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> and the team's expanding. It's growing. They've had some great news over at Rebel Business School. They just won a huge contract with Westminster City Council for nine yeah. Rebel Business Schools across three years, plus the Market Traders Program. So we're working with all the market stalls and the traders to help them get on Instagram, grow their business, find customers. Yeah, so it's been an incredible week at the Rebel Business School with the new contract, the new growth. We're hiring new people. Yeah, it seems to be flying over there. Simon's doing a good job. That is brilliant. And Westminster Council as well. For those of you who aren't UK-based, Westminster is as central London as you can possibly get. So that must be a fantastic opportunity, if anything, even for like the press, right? Getting that in front of so many people. It's an incredible opportunity. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity. And you're right, it's really quite interesting, the borough, because they cover the Houses of Parliament and some of the wealthiest areas of the country down to uh, like some suburbs of London that really need help. Mm. And we will be spreading entrepreneurship all through those different boroughs and helping the markets, all traders and the local people. And yeah, it's a cool project. Anyway, how did this end up me talking about Rebel Business School? Isn't this podcast about <laughs> you, Andrew, and helping you to make progress? I think it's healthy to discuss both. I always think it's healthy to see what's going on. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, things are going really well with Kelly to the crowd. We are fresh off the back of a episode with Christina and Jamie. And that went really well. That was actually going to be released long before this episode. But chronologically, that's where we are. And I'm in a place where I'm really, really happy with Kelly to the crowd at the moment. But we're going to get onto that in a second, don't we? Well, you said last time, so the actions from the last episode eight were you were going to use the huge energy you had just to film and create because you'd found some energy. Have you managed to keep that energy rolling? I really have. One thing I really wanted to do was, as the UK kind of comes out of lockdown, our weekends are becoming really, really busy. You can imagine there's so many people we haven't seen. Our lives are quite hectic. Work has been quite mad as well. I got a promotion at my job. Anna, my girlfriend, has got a new job herself. So life is really hectic. So what I wanted to do was use all this energy to build up a backlog of just videos to make sure that when life eventually does come at me, I have a backlog of things that I could just press publish on a Sunday morning and just say, you know what, video's already done, it's already recorded, here you go. That is so important. So important. I've learned that on the podcast as well. This episode is not going to be released for like four months. I'm about <laughs> six months in advance of my content. It's all recorded. It's being edited. I've done my job. And it just gives me huge confidence. I feel calm. I feel relaxed. And 
you can almost like, well, I can decide if I want two months off, it's okay. Uh, so I think it's actually really important. You don't want to be scrambling on a Friday or a Saturday to get the video for the Sunday. That's yeah. always, always a painful position to be in. 100%. And I think it also comes across when you're creating videos, when you do it rushed, you know it, you see it when you watch it back to yourself, when you listen to it back to yourself. So having all of this energy to literally throw at my video notes, to throw at filming, it really is so beneficial. And now I'm at a point where I've got eight videos in the backlog. The only downside is I get a lot of video requests and sometimes the video requests <laughs> in the comments are like, hey, can you do a video on this? And sometimes within a week, two weeks, that video will be produced and you know I'll be able to put it out in front of people. Whereas now sometimes with the comments, I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll I'll get that in the pipeline. <laughs> you might see that <laughs> you might see that in two months' time. But yeah, it's a really, really good place to be in. I'm really enjoying the channel the channel's growing as well. I'm still sometimes I look at that subscriber number and I'm still bamboozled by how many people, you know. And I'm I'm just really enjoying it, Alan. I, I think it's probably coming across in my voice. I'm really, really enjoying it. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, because your subscriber number list, you're now up to 3.76,000, 3,760 subscribers. Katie has subscribed. We were watching your LSIT video about progress this morning. You're doing a brilliant job on this stuff. One of the other things you said you'd test out was the sort of song anchoring thing. Did you get to experiment with that since we last spoke? I did. I did. I had a couple songs in my head when you first mentioned it and what I've really enjoyed listening to whenever um, I find myself in a particular moment of really hyped up energy to anchor myself to that sort of feeling I've been listening to um, have you ever heard of The Lonely Island? No I have not this is probably an age thing though. Oh no no these guys are basically a set of um, musical comedians. Are they? Yeah, if you YouTube them, literally just YouTube The Lonely Island, maybe don't listen to it when you've got your kids around because uh, the <laughs> themes of the songs are actually maybe not safe for work, but um, it's oh, they're, I'm they're on a genuinely boat. hilarious. Jack Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting titles amongst their popular releases. <laughs> but yeah, they made a, a series of songs a while back and if you watch them, they're just so dumb and they're so hilarious but they put me in such a good mood. So I've found that I've started getting to a point where I'll listen to those when I'm really, really hyped up taking your advice. And what I've started doing is just before I'm about to either record a video or I'll film a set of exercises, I'll play one of their songs, one of my favourite ones of their songs. And you're right, you can anchor yourself to the feeling that you had, even if you're in a place where... So I film a lot of my videos, for example, on a Saturday morning quite early. If for whatever reason I'm not particularly awake yet, that song it's like a, it's like a hit of coffee. Boom! Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. And yeah, I'm definitely going to keep this going because it's it's a really nice brain hack. It's natural caffeine, and it's interesting. You can use other songs to anchor yourself to different states. So for me, I love Marvel, as you probably know. And on Spotify, there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe playlist. And I listen to the like music from the movies, Captain America, all that stuff. And if I put that on in my headphones and I'm writing, I'm working, I get into such a productive state. Like I feel like I'm Captain America charging through my emails. I feel like I'm Iron Man writing my blog post. Like I just, it puts me into a productive state. But then there's other music that will lift me up. There's other music that will calm me down. And you can actually create different soundtracks, different playlists to help you mm. be in the mood. Because you probably don't want to listen to The Lonely Island just before doing your editing. You'd get a whole different type of video. But there's different <laughs> music that will help you through that. And I think it's about just finding or anchoring the state you need so that you can go into it as quickly as possible. So you can go into your presenter state. You can go into your editor state and... For me on a computer, it's like, I need to be focused. I need to be in it. I need to have the energy, but that doesn't necessarily work when I'm presenting. And I had a different way of anchoring in the presenting state, which was I would bounce around. 
I would jump up and down. That would give me the energy. And then when I come out on stage, I'm smiling, I'm full of energy, I'm talking to people, I'm directed. So I think it's actually incredibly important because the state you're in or the energy you're in prior to a meeting, a sales call, a video production will completely change the outcome of said meeting. 100%. And what I found as well, and I imagine you found the same, Alan, is that this sort of anchoring works best when you've already got systems in place that you kind of already follow. So for example, I know I film on a Saturday morning. I start my edits on a Friday afternoon. I train on an afternoon. So if you've already got your systems in place and your schedules in place, it becomes quite easy to anchor to certain feelings and bring them out when you kind of need to, versus if maybe your life is a little bit more willy-nilly (laughs) what a great british term (laughs) (laughs) yeah sorry for the non-british people out there that isn't a euphemism (laughs) it just means a bit over the place hectic things going on yeah (laughs) yes it's not actually a rude term yeah (laughs) if your life is a little bit more hectic then maybe it'll be a little bit more difficult to anchor yourself to something because you won't be able to trick your brain to associate it to something because everything in your life is a little bit more random. You can still do it. You can still do it. It's still possible to use the music. It's still possible to find the state. Like you just need to train it in a little bit harder and make sure that, so if you naturally get that state, play the song, play the song, train it in hard. And then even in a world of chaos, you can just like, I love the way I said world of chaos and there's a police siren happening outside my window (laughs) at that moment. Couldn't be better. In that world of chaos, you play the song and you can still take yourself to a state because it's actually, and it doesn't have to be music. It might be a set of words. It might be a mantra. It might be a way of sitting, a way of breathing. I mean, you hear of people who are doing sports. They have a moment where they take a deep breath, calm the energy, visualize what they want to do. And they do it every time in exactly the same way to get into the right state, to create the shot, the item. And if you're doing it, do it before a meeting. Take a moment to stand in the right way, shoulders back, take the deep breath, center yourself, get in the right state, then walk in. I don't care how much is going on in your life. There is 60 seconds available just to set your state before you do. Even if you've got your kids flying around you, there's craziness, like just in the middle of the kitchen, center yourself, take a breath, put the song on that gives you the right energy to deal with the mess, the family, whatever's happening. It's just, it's all about your own state management. And what I mean by state, do you understand the word state? Yeah, you're, oh, I was about to use the word state in my description, where you are mentally. Yeah. And you pass in and out of those states throughout the day. So sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you're excited, sometimes you're angry. And actually it's taking control of those states so that you have the right emotional energy for the right task, rather than just being at the mercy of the world, what goes on around you, the mercy of what you're eaten, whether you're tired afterwards or not, or coffee. People use coffee to get in the right state. I do. And it helps, but it's not really a sustainable long-term thing. And if I need to be in the right state at 10 p.m., I definitely don't want to rely on coffee. (laughs) I want to do it in a different way. Otherwise, it will screw me up for the next day. So, yeah, there is a huge piece of state management as an entrepreneur to help yourself be in the best place to do whatever task you're going into, presentation, meeting, phone call, video, podcast recording with Alan doesn't matter what it is. It's actually being in that state. And actually, sometimes we end up anchoring certain states to other people. So I don't know if you find this. There's certain people in your life that when you see them, you're in a great mood. And there's other people you see. And based on previous experience and anchoring, it sends you into a different state. Which one am I to you, Alan? (laughs) (laughs) That's the main question. (laughs) You brighten my day, Andrew and Linda. Thank you. That's the correct answer. <laughs> but it's really interesting when you do that. And it's actually interesting to become aware of your own impact on other people. So 
there's certain people that you'll see that when they see you, they brighten. And there's certain people that see you and they'll change its state a different way. Maybe they'll be nervous, be different things. And it's actually really fascinating to see what states you've anchored to other people. Because for Simon and I, my business partner, we meet for a breakfast, we have a coffee, we have some eggs, and it's like we're anchored together for creativity, energy, like there is magic and juice in that moment from years of repeating it and actually getting to a good state and a good place. And he brings out the creative, passionate, energetic person in me. And that's connected. Even more than what you are typically, Alan, because I associate you as a passionate, creative person anyway. So in my head, I'm thinking like Simon is what, like creative steroids to you. He is. He's actually, so he's like a highly trained creativity ninja. (laughs) He actually worked for two years for a boutique consultant agent, which worked very much on ideas creation. He studied the creative process and so have I. And because we both understand creativity, energies and ideas, we have language patterns that support each other to come up with more ideas and to build on each other. And There's certain people that will kill your ideas as soon as you suggest them and say that won't work because Simon is one of the people who will go, that's interesting. What I love about that idea is, and there's always a nugget of something within an idea that you can find to build. And that creates more energy in me, more energy in him. And it's like a virtuous circle of energy. And you can either find the person that does that for you, or you can learn about the Disney creative strategy, the language patterns of creativity, all of those different tools, and then train the people around you to use them so that then you're surrounded with a bunch of people that understand creativity, where you are, you've got a common language. And all of a sudden you're surrounded with people who build yourself up, not just take you down by mistake. They've always got the best interests at heart, the people who kill your ideas, but they don't help you make progress often. Which is one thing I think you find sometimes even by accident. So I don't think it's an accident that so many young people go into cafes with their laptops open and sit there. If you go into a cafe and you've got so many people in that space, it's easy to feed off that energy even if you're n- none of you are speaking to each other. For the people who are listening, that is a- essentially the feeling Alan's talking about. Yeah, some people do it because they're millennials and they want their avocado and toast and they, you know, want to (laughs) be, they want their photo of their Mac with their avocado toast and that's nice. But I've certainly felt it. You know, you go into a cafe, I'm editing a video. There's a whole load of people, laptops open, some people having business meetings that you can eavesdrop in on the background. You hear the, um, the baristas making the coffee, you smell the coffee. You get the energy just by virtue of being in the same space. And with different emotions, that will happen with your family, that will happen with your friends, that will happen with the people you live with, whatever it is. And becoming more aware of it just helps you be more intentional with how you use it in your life. I've certainly noticed that. Yes. And it's not just young people. I love a good cafe. I love some avocado toast. It's not just young people, Andrew. (laughs) Even Gen X loves it. Aren't you a millennial, Alan? Well, I don't know. I was born in 78, so I was 22 when the millennium came round. And apparently the definition is you're coming of age at the millennium. And I was a little bit of a late blossomer. So I guess technically you could say I was coming of age around then because I didn't get on with life very quickly. But I was probably just before. Oh, we'll see where the cutoff is. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's going to be writing in on the podcast going, you're no millennial, Alan. (laughs) Well, I have millennial habits, all right? Exactly. Depends how you define a millennial. They get a lot of abuse, these poor millennials. Anyway, moving on quickly, there's so much to talk about on your business. Not everything is rosy. What can we do to help? Where are we going? What do we need to do? What advice can I give you? What support can I give you? There's always something to work on. Yeah, so where am I at the moment, right? So when we started this, the whole theme was around monetizing business being able to make money out of it can you bring in cash to the youtube channel that was the kind of question wasn't it exactly yeah and we spoke about a whole host of themes and some of the ones that we settled on was about uh we spoke with uh, matt and rob about youtube monetization we spoke about outreach we spoke about product 
We spoke about a whole host of things. And where the channel has kind of settled is that it's making a fair amount of money from the YouTube partnership program, which for the people listening, basically YouTube as a platform, content creators put their videos on the platform and then YouTube pair advertisers with your video. And that's how content creators make money off of YouTube. One way. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one of the ways that you, <laughs> that content creators make money off of YouTube. That has been bringing in a very steady and upwardly trending income that I am over the moon with. If you told me this at the turn of the year, I'd have laughed in your face. But being able to <laughs> make nearly $200 a month off of YouTube is really, really, it, it, it's blown me away. Well, it's doubled since the first paycheck. So that's a nice yeah. upward trend there. Yeah, or well, I mean, the very first paycheck was more like $20, but for the first <laughs> four months, <laughs> first four months, that, that, I think, yes, yeah, doubled since the first four, 28 days. And, um, it's slowly trending upwards. Month on month, you see that trend going upwards as the videos get better, as the views go up, as the subscribers go up. And that is a really good place to be. What's also nice is that we also tried a different avenue. So for those of you who've been listening to this series for a while, we also tried outreach, reaching out to brands. Now, there are very few fitness brands. You know, let me, let me rewind a little bit. With calisthenics, it's a little bit weird. So calisthenics, body weight training, that's element of fitness. It pairs really well with minimalism. The whole idea of body weight training is that you use your body as resistance. You don't have to use expensive barbells. Anybody that over lockdown has tried to buy weights will know how expensive weights are. You don't have to have a gym membership even. You're using your own body as resistance. Now, my caveat is that I spent nearly a grand on a rig that goes in my garden. So <laughs> I'm not really fitting into that. But you can buy a 20 quid pull-up bar and put that in your door frame. And mm. that can literally sort you out for a whole host of exercises. Calisthenics athletes are famous for being extremely creative with how they can use your body as resistance. The downside to that is from a content creator's perspective, it puts you in a really niche position in terms of the sort of companies you can work with. The sort of companies that are really good at building on that principle of using your body weight as leverage and actually building customers out of it. Um, it's almost like the FI version of fitness, right? You've got minimalism, you've got people being creative, and you've got people looking to reach quite aggressive goals. And where I'm kind of at with it is that I wrote a list of brands. I think you, you'll you remember way back when we wrote down a list of brands that I was going to reach out to. And that brand list wasn't particularly extensive, but the whole load of brands that quite importantly, I used for a really long time. So I'm, I really trust these brands. I reached out to a lot of them, sometimes a lot of them multiple times. And where it kind of came back to was there were two brands that reached out back. The first one was a brand I absolutely love. They basically reached back out to me and said, you know what, we love what you're doing, but for our ambassador program, you need to have a larger following. So I was like, you know what, I'm okay with that. Their tipping point isn't actually far from where I am at the moment. Ooh. So I kind of said, you know what, I, I'm kind of okay with saying we'll build, thank we'll you. We'll get there. Exactly. So I responded Who to their mail it? and that was my protein. And how many did they, was it a subscriber number? Was it a video number? Yeah, they basically wanted 5,000 subscribers or followers on at least one channel. So at the time, I tried to game the system and said, oh, I had 2,500 on, so I think at the time I had 2,700 YouTube subscribers and 2,200 Instagram followers. So I was like, hey, I've got a total following of 5.1. And they basically responded back and said, no, you, you basically don't meet the cutoff, but we love what you're doing and come back when, um, basically when your numbers are a little bit beefed up. Have you sent them an email since saying, I'm up to 3.7 on YouTube, nearly 3.8. I'm coming back soon. Remember me. I think that would be quite fun to stay in touch on the journey. Yeah. So well, my initial response was, first of all, thank you for replying. They must get so many yeah, messages like they that. They must get so many. And the fact that they responded. So I, I just wanted them to know, 
that. I was really grateful for the fact that they did actually get back to me. And then the other thing I kind of wanted to do was that when I do eventually message them back, I wanted the last message to be a positive one, you know, building on that relationship. But that that was where I kind of left that. And you're right, actually, it wouldn't hurt for me to reach out to them and say, hey, just so you know, in the time since we last spoke, this is what the trend line looks like. Any chance uh, you want to get in If I keep doing this, <laughs> I'll be there in. Like, you could literally yeah. draw that chart out. Exactly. Like, X number of months, if I keep going mm. like this, I will be back to you. Remember my name. I'm coming back. You could have fun <laughs> with it. You could draw them a little graph. Exactly. Yeah. And I know what you mean about the range of clients and who you can go for. Like, who do you think the biggest sponsor of entrepreneurial content around the world is? I'm not sure. Banks. Really? Yeah, they pay for so much of the education in the UK. So if you run a course that is how to start a business with no loans, <laughs> you can wipe out the biggest sponsors available pretty much because they want to loan money to businesses. And our course is all about doing it free, doing it cheap, like getting started with no money because you don't need to. Here's how to go. And we've had exactly the same problem of our advice is contrary. Our advice is don't buy stuff. Well, sponsors love it when you tell your audience <laughs> that. Okay, so my protein we're coming back to. Uh, what was the other one? Was it Grenade? The other one was Grenade. Now, this one was a little bit more gorilla in how we reached out to them. So they released a new website, and I noticed this actually through LinkedIn. I'm almost never on LinkedIn. That has since <laughs> changed as I've found out how valuable LinkedIn is. But I noticed that they launched a new website. My day-to-day, -day, in my day job, web creation, building features online is my thing. So I was interested. It was a brand I liked linked to what I do in my day job. So I clicked on the post of their website being created, and it's almost like a light bulb went off in my head. So I said, oh, okay, I'm going to create a video <laughs> where it looks like I'm taking one of the grenade protein bars out of my screen. Out of genius. Exactly, and putting it on the table next to my laptop, which had the grenade new website up. So I put that on Instagram and I shared the post on LinkedIn and I captioned it. Do you think I should tell Grenade about this bug on their brand new website? Now, the Grenade team, when they first saw that, <laughs> they they were terrified. Because you read a caption like that, you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? We've got a bug! We've got a bug! Yeah. And then it was hilarious. Their head of brand shared it. They shared it on their Instagram feed. Their social media manager reached out to me and asked if they could share it on their Instagram feed. And Hell yeah. <laughs> and then that did two things. That got me in with their head of brand. And I got an email for the person who manages their social media platforms. I had their email address. I had their phone number. And if anyone has been listening to the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast for a while, you'll know how much Alan loves phone numbers. Oh, yes. So <laughs> Get them on the phone. Get them on the phone. None of this email stuff. Come on, ring them. <laughs> So from that point on, it was very, very easy to then strike up a conversation. So I got on the phone with the person who manages their social media and basically said, hey, just so you know, I noticed you liked that post. Do you want to work with me further? I think I could add value here. I create videos like this all the time, really quirky little videos all over Instagram. And it matches very well with the Grenade brand, which is very tongue in cheek a little bit naughty sometimes, and, you know, really, really funny and banterous. She didn't respond, um, well, on the call, she was very positive, but then with yeah. a follow-up email, she didn't respond. So I was a little bit saddened about that, but a couple of days later, I followed that up with an email, and... People get busy, it's okay. Yeah, 100%. I didn't take it personally, but in my email, I basically sent over my media pack as well, basically just saying, like, this is what I do. I am really interested in, you know, working with you guys in the future. What are your thoughts? And that's when she emailed me back and said, hey, by the way, we have an ambassador platform. We're not really focused on YouTube at the moment. It's not really a platform that they push. But what they do do is they have a program where, say, for example, you post something onto Instagram or TikTok, I think is what they, they use as well. And if they share it, 
they'll pay you for it, almost like a, for want of a better word, a bounty or a commission. And I thought, you know what? This gives me an in. I'm going to play the game to begin with, build up that relationship. You've got nothing to lose. Exactly. And since they have just been loving the content, Alan, they've really (laughs) been loving it. I'll make a video, I'll create a story, I'll create a reel on Instagram, and they just really love it. All the while, I've been having more and more richer conversations with the Grenade social team. And that's basically where I'm at with the brand outreach. I'm I'm building up those relationships, trying to make sure it cements into something where they understand they're not just working with someone who's going to get a brief and then churn out a video and then come hat in hand being like, hey, money, please. Because I've got friends that work in PR, not quite this area, but PR all the same. And they say some of the people that they work with are just really painful to work with. I'm just thinking if I can be just slightly better than the people that they're working with on a daily basis, be more uh, intuitive. Is that the word? More forthcoming with ideas. I think you just need to understand them. And Mm. I tell you what, what no one does well is ask questions. Like the more you can understand them, their goals, what they're doing, the better. And then one other idea that I'd love you to get in the audience is behind every corporate goal is a personal goal. If you can really understand that, like this head of social, is he, she building the team? What's their goal? Are they looking to get promoted? Are they looking to reach this milestone? If they do that, will it get them a raise that gets them their house at home? Will it get them a holiday? Like what's in it for them as well? And the more you understand both levels, the more you can really target what you're doing to support them and help them. And I tell you what, most people never take the time to really understand the other people. And here's the example I'd love to give you. Back in the day, I was working on landscape contracts and we did grounds maintenance, cutting the grass, the hedges for large housing associations. And the contract comes out that you apply for and the contract says, grass has to be kept at X height. Hedges have to be cut so many times a month, so many litter picks, et cetera, et cetera. That was what's in the contract. And when you speak to the guy who's managing the contract and you understand So what's the biggest pain point for you? And you could see his face change. And the biggest pain point was the calls from the people who lived in the home saying the grass wasn't cut, like the litter picking hadn't done. And he hated dealing with those. Biggest pain point. So when we wrote the contract, what we said was, we will take those complaints directly. We will put them into a spreadsheet. We will deal with them. And then we will tell you once a week what we do with them like whether they've been solved, what's not. So we've taken all of his pain, put it in a spreadsheet that he can read at his own leisure over a mug of coffee and dealt with the thing. But that was not in the contract. They didn't ask for that. They asked for the grants to be X height, for it to be cut on X day. That's what they asked for. But you would never know that that's what the person really truly wanted. They didn't even know the solution to their pain. I had to come up with the solution but I never would have understood it without really getting in and talking to him. And that's why I say, like, speak to people on the phone, preferably face-to-face. Like, if you can buy them a coffee, if they happen to be in the same town, even better. If you can do it in the park over calisthenics, whatever it is, even better. But you'd never find out that stuff for an email because they'll just tell you, we need these many subscribers, this many stuff. And they'll just tell you the bog standard stuff they tell Mm. everyone. You need to stare them in the eyes, hear their voice, ask them awkward questions that they'll quite enjoy listening and learning to. <laughs> like that's where the magic happens. 100%. And I think building to that point is really, really important because you actually find out more about how you like to engage with people as well. So I've certainly found that when I've been asking them about what it is they've got planned for this month's marketing campaigns, what sort of things that they've been up to, what sort of things that they're going to be posting about. I'm learning how I would like to work with people. If if this was ever to become a full-time thing, I'm learning about how do I want to manage the people I'm working with? How often do I want to create content that isn't my primary, you know, YouTube videos? Even things that are completely tangential. How much of my income do I want to be coming from this and not YouTube? Well, YouTube, quote unquote, because technically it's all YouTube. YouTube is 
the kind of focal point of it all. But how much of my income I know what you mean. coming from this I know what of, you yeah. mean, yeah. <laughs> and it's really, really interesting because by unpicking that, you're building better relationships, right? You're also technically building a better business as well. And you just learn so much about yourself and the other person as well. And you definitely don't want to rely on one source of income because you never know what would happen. I had a friend who had an incredibly successful website that made money off affiliate marketing. One of his keywords, all his traffic came from Google. One of his keywords, uh, there was a movie released with the keyword. So the title of the movie was the keyword. So Google shifted everything. He got booted from page one, two, and three, and the movie went to those keywords. And he lost all his traffic. A significant portion of his income vanished overnight because it was based on one income, one keyword. And like he still got PTSD from that, and I can understand why. But you need like those multiple sources of income in different ways. If you've got a good source coming from YouTube, excellent. And can we get the sponsors? And can we get some affiliate income? And what else are we doing outside that to see what it is? Like at the start, you do want to focus on one because it does help. But then you need to expand outside because you never know. You never know when these things are going to change. One of our major clients for the Rebel Business School is housing authorities, housing associations. And the British government changed the legislation for housing authorities overnight and forced them to reduce their rent for customers by 1% a year for four years. Doesn't sound like a lot, but one housing association we worked with was left with a 10 million hole in their budget overnight. Guess what got cut? And overnight, we lost three, four customers, a huge amount of business, and it was all down to a government decision to change things. And that definitely woke us up. We need more councils, we need more corporate mm. sponsors, and we need to expand to have that base. And to start with, you get one housing association, then you get 10, and then you go, okay, this is going good. What else can I get? How else can I expand? Yeah, but you do need to at some stage go, what are the other sources of income I'm bringing in here? Yeah, I'm certainly not going to sip margaritas on my glass <laughs> foundations of the YouTube <laughs> partnership program, which can basically change on a whim. Yeah, I'm certainly not going to lean heavily on that. But um, one thing you mentioned, Alan, and I know it's something that we plan on digging into, and it's in my head, is kind of the next phase of the monetization project, which is affiliates. I know we plan on speaking to a good friend of yours actually on this very topic, but it's something I have very little experience on. And I kind of wanted to pick your brain on how best to utilize, well, how best you've seen it utilized in your experience. So as a broad overview for everyone listening, affiliate income is where you sell someone else's product on your channel, your blog, your social media channels. Every time you sell one, you get a percentage. That's the basis of it. The largest affiliate scheme in the world is Amazon Associates, and you can sell anything on the Amazon platform and take a percentage, which varies depending on the product for selling it. So if we've got a calisthenics YouTube channel, you said earlier, people need one of these things that go in their door frame for 20 quid. The video that describes how to do the exercises should have a link below to the one that you recommend. And then our hope is that people go, oh, I love Andrew's videos. I'll use his affiliate link. That will give him a little bit of cash back and you get enough views and it grows from there. That's the general idea. We've got a whole episode planned on this with a young guy called Andrew McDonald, who runs a YouTube channel called Tech Team GB. He also has an affiliate program that he's launched called Locally, which is for YouTube creators and basically, you used to have to put the link to the American site and the link to the UK site and the link to whatever other country so that your viewers could choose which one. His new piece of software allows you to put one link and it auto takes people to the correct country. It's really interesting what he's doing. And I met him when he was 15 at school. And he came up to me after I did a presentation in his school about building businesses. And he said, I've got a YouTube channel. How do I monetize it? And this was, I don't know, 
10 years ago. Oh, wow. You monetization on YouTube before it was cool. Yeah, I was coaching him way back when how to grow monetization on his channel. So it's really interesting. He's coming back after, well, I didn't have a podcast back then. I don't think I was <laughs> even properly running Rebel Business School back then. I was just getting going and helping this young guy who was full of energy. And the reason I loved coaching him and kept doing it was I would give him advice and every time he would come back a week later, or a month later and say, Alan, I've done it. Here's what happened. It did work. It didn't work. Tell me what else to do. And that kind of energy. Do you know how many people I give advice to, Andrew, and then I never hear from them again? Never. Yeah. They just disappear. Or worse. Or I'm not sure if this is worse, actually, but they reject advice. Like, you give someone advice and then they say, no, that's not possible. No, that won't work. They're not going to try it. No, that won't work. (laughs) You can actually see it in their eyes. They never tell you. They go, oh, yeah, that sounds good. But you can kind of see in their eyes they're never going to do it and you never hear from them again. But Andrew McDonald, it's going to get very confusing with two Andrews. We're going to have to change your name or his. Alinda and McDonald. (laughs) But he actually did stuff. And I think... My experience over the years is, this is going to sound very strange, but the ability to do things and make things happen is a rare skill. Like People don't do stuff. They listen to the advice, they go back to their normal life and nothing changes. The ability to go, okay, Alan says make 10 calls and then to do it and then to message me and say, I made 10 calls, everyone ignored me, what should I do now? Like that is not normal. It's not normal behavior. It should be, but it's not. So if you're listening to this, like we've spoken about outreach to people to sponsor channels. We've spoken about phone calls. We've spoken about behind every corporate goal is a personal goal and asking questions to uncover it. There are clear actionable steps in this podcast if you can pull them out and then go and do them. And I'll tell you what, if you're the person that actually goes and does them, that puts you in the top 0.1% of entrepreneurs, of people (laughs) in the world. And it seems like a simple thing, but people don't do it, Andrew. They don't do the stuff. And that's probably why I end every podcast episode with you going, so what are you going to do now? And then try and get you to commit to doing a bunch of stuff. Because I know if you do stuff, stuff happens. I know if you take action, Mm. things happen. Yeah. Like, does that resonate with you? What do you think about that? So, so much. So much of what you just said just really hits home. If you go onto Instagram right now, the amount of inspirational quotes you'll see written on top of photos (laughs) being shared by everyone, you'd think everyone on Instagram was smashing their goals out of the park. You know, they'd be so inspired. Yeah, 100%. Quotes like seize the day. And then you read it and you're like, yeah, I really do need to seize the day. And then you continue scrolling for the next 15 minutes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so it's so important to just do stuff. I can tell you right now, I don't know anything about this Andrew McDonald guy that you've just mentioned. We're going to find out. Exactly. I don't know anything about him. But from what you've told me, I can already guess this guy is extremely coachable. You gave him advice. I bet you a lot of what he's tried to get to where he is probably hasn't worked. But he's probably tried more stuff than most people. So he very quickly will know what does and doesn't work. I know in my own life, when, say, for example, even in the series of video uh, of podcasts that we produce, Alan, there has been stuff that we have spoken about. We've spoken about with Matt and Rob. And I've listened and I've gone, mm, I'm not too sure how that's going to work. But I've tried it and I've been shocked. Or there's been things, advice that I thought that you guys have given me and I thought, you know what, that is gold dust. And we've tried it and it's gone. "Mm, uh -uh." And it didn't work. (laughs) And and it didn't work. And you just, you genuinely can't know. You really can't. I genuinely really do believe that the most successful people are the people that have just tried the most stuff. It's very rare for somebody to have tried something and it paid off first time around. And, you know, now they're sat on a yacht somewhere sipping margaritas at 10am in the morning on a Thursday. And I think that you just really just have to go and try. And and people will see that. You don't have to particularly 
put it in everybody's faces. Like, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. I've certainly found that by virtue of just putting a video out every single Sunday, there are people that come up to me now and it's like, oh my gosh, how the hell did you build a YouTube channel that does this and does that? And it's like, I just turned up once a week, every week for the last year and a half. <laughs> All I did was turn up. That That is literally it. I've just turned up. And by virtue of turning up, I've learned a whole load of new stuff. But people don't see that. No, which actually Katie was saying, my wife Katie was saying this to me this week. We were talking about her. She's got a calisthenics trainer. She's been inspired by you. Uh, she has a personal trainer in Colombia, which is phenomenal. It's £12 an hour for a an incredible calisthenics personal trainer. He's got some skills. So she's going every week. And I'm like, you are making so much progress. Her goal is to do a, a chin-up, a pull-up. She's never done that before. That's the goal. And we've got five weeks here. She's making so much progress. I said, it's incredible. And she says, yeah, it's easy. I just put it in the diary and turn up and he tells me what to do. And it's incredible. If you can just put it in the diary and then stick to it, you know, every morning you do an hour of marketing calls or I'm going to spend two hours on my website at this time and I'll do it every week. I'll tell you what, 52 weeks time, you'll have a website that's better than anyone in the world. And it's incredible if you just do those activities over time. It's phenomenal, but it's got to be put in the diary. I think that's the magic. And every time we have one of these podcasts, what do I say to you straight afterwards? What do you say to me straight afterwards? When's the next one? When's the next date? Oh, yeah. that That is one thing you're really good at. So before we even finish the conversation, the next one's in the diary. Because otherwise, we hang up and now we have to email back and forth. That's a barrier. We've got to email back and forth, book a date. We need to arrange for when we're both free, what sort of time zones. That's a whole hurdle of stuff that just makes it harder to book that date. So, I mean, we're already on the phone. Why isn't it just easier to just book the next one in straight away? And that's one of my secrets is never leave a meeting without the date for the next one planned. Never leave a phone call without the date for the next one planned. Even if it's a friend that you like, like you like this person, you say, we've had such a good time. We should do this again. That's so the British thing. We should do this again. And everyone leaves and nothing happens. I'm like, yes, we should do it again. What day are you free? <laughs> and I pull out my calendar. And I tell you what is the magic thing that makes stuff happen regularly is just put it in the diary. Never leave the scene without knowing what's next. Never. Especially with people like Grenade or My Protein or whatever it is. Okay, we've had this great chat. When should we book in when to chat next? Or when should we report back on this? Or when should I come back about the numbers? And what day would you like to hear from me? Could you do Tuesday or Wednesday? <laughs> and you just book in the next date and you keep that thing going. Mm. And it's amazing because once it's in the diary, people just show up for the call, even if they're not quite up for it. And then you can turn it around. You can give it some energy. You keep going. But that is the magic, magic element. And you know, what I found, maybe it's the British in me. But what I found is a lot of people <laughs> feel that that's being pushy, whereas actually you're making it easier for them. Alan, whenever you've asked me for the call, the next call, I've never gone, oh, Alan, always booking calls. I've gone, you know what? <laughs> yeah, that's a load of my brain. And when I'm having these conversations with, with these brands, think of the number of people they must have to work with. And they've mm -hmm. got someone basically going, oh, I noticed you've been doing this, this, and this. I've got ideas about this, this, and this. I've got this video prepared. Do you want me to tweak it in any way? I've got it already. Here's ready for you to approve. It's so easy for them to then just go, yep, yep, nope, yep, nope, nope, nope. And, well, there's too many nopes there. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it becomes so easy for them in one quick email or phone call to very quickly decide on what happens next. That's one thing I don't do well enough, though, book the next meeting in. Um, if I was to certainly make this a regular thing, because a lot of my interactions with them at the moment really are kind of through Instagram and a couple of emails. And because it's very regular, and I mean, quite frankly, it's, it's working for me, I'm, I'm getting money. That's been quite easy, but 
I know that if I'm going to build this relationship up further, it would be so easy for me, maybe in a couple months' time or a couple weeks' time, to basically say, hey, I've noticed you've been liking a lot of the videos that I've been posting. Is that, I'm not really sure how to even phrase this, but take the relationship to the next level. (laughs) How do you talk about getting to third base with a brand? Wow, you've gone deep there already. I love it. I think I would just be saying, like, I've got some ideas. Can we get a date to chat? And then just do it on the phone. If you start saying, can we take the relationship to the next level via Instagram message or by whatever, they're going to get a bit scared. Slide into grenades DMs. Uh, But I would definitely like start with, okay, like I've loved working with you. I love doing this stuff. I can see you're sharing it. I've got a huge amount of ideas. Can I get some feedback and some thoughts? Can we organize a half an hour call? And just it's an easy thing to start the chat and go, then you can just open up with the questions. Where are you going? What are you up to? What are you posting? What's your plans? Do you have any plans for YouTube yet? You can ask them a bunch of questions. But the key is always get the date in the diary to chat. Always. I don't care what it is. Sometimes you have to do a bit to get the date in the diary, but you just need to get on the phone with them. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the bit that I kind of wanted to ask you about. I'm in a position where they've liked three of the bits of content that I've done so far. They've really enjoyed them. At what point do I actually start that? At what point do I go? Because I plan on doing more of these. So what are you waiting for? I mean, my thoughts are it's, it's only been three so far. That was basically my rationale. It's been three so far. So how many does it need to be? I don't know. I, I genuinely, I'm not sure. Are you waiting for 10? Are you waiting for 20? Like, what are you waiting so for? So my thoughts were, they have a system in place that works for them as a brand in terms of getting content from people and then paying them to reuse that content. I assume that system is set up in such a way because they have so many people sending them content. So I sometimes look at what they're tagged in and I can post a video and within an hour, I'm fifth or sixth down on their tagged videos on Instagram because there's that many people posting and tagging them in in videos because maybe they're part of the scheme. Maybe they want to become part of the scheme. That's something that I imagine their system is set up to, to catch all. With the stuff I've been creating for them, I'm wondering whether I have to almost play their game first, play to the rules of their system before kind of going, hey, do you want to bend the rules a little bit and set up a maybe a, a better working relationship between the stuff I do for them? You know, maybe I have a pipeline of stuff that they can then use in their branding. So you've said, I assume, I imagine, I guess, and you're talking a lot about what's going on in their business from your perspective. What's the only way to truly know what's going on with them ask them <laughs> ask them and you don't know they've got this one system that works over here you don't know if they've got a separate system for larger creators for different people you don't know how many systems they've got how many different ways they've got of operating all you can see is level one you don't even know what level two three and ten are what's the only way to know <laughs> to ask them get on the phone and ask them so what are we waiting for yeah, I guess that's that's a fair point. Even if they just tell you, yeah, level one is this system, that's what we do. They might even tell you that's the only level of the game. That's it. And then if you know that, you know that. The thing is, I'm almost certain it isn't. Mm-hmm. So let's find out what level two is. <laughs> level three, level 10, let's find out. Like, why are we waiting? And they'll tell you. Just like my protein said, you need 5,000 subscribers to make it into our first bit. They'll tell you where you are and what's going on. And they like you. They like your messages. They've given you their phone number. Yeah, true. Why aren't you using it? <laughs> I don't want them to block me. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Does this make any kind of sense, though? No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think, do you know what it is? I think it's more loss aversion than anything else. I'm in a place now where I've got, it's like I said, the, the list of brands that I've got to work with is really, really small. I've emailed every single one of them. We can find more. 
We can find more. That's your starting sure. list. There's plenty sure. of other businesses. That's your starting list. So I think, yeah, we're looking from a place of scarcity here rather than a place of abundance. There are loads of sponsors. There are loads of things. We just haven't found them yet. Yeah. And I think that's probably the first point. So I've got this list of brands. I've emailed all of them. I've got two that have messaged me back and I've got one that's paying me. It's the loss of version of going, hmm, do I? How many brands were on the list at the start? 12, I think. 12. So you've gone from 12 to getting one that's actually paying you. That's an amazing conversion rate. Find another 12. Yeah. With that, actually, Alan, diverting a little bit. <laughs> yeah. One, one, one second. Diverting a little bit. These 12 are companies that I've literally used their products for a long time. I've got really, like, I'd find it extremely easy to recommend anything from one of these brands. With finding more brands, how do I do that at scale while having never used their products before? Isn't there an element of, I don't know, it feels a bit weird to be like, hey, do you want to work together if I've never used their stuff before? What do grenades sell? Protein bars, clothes, energy drinks. Okay, protein bars. Let's say protein bars. Look up the top 10 manufacturers of protein bars in the UK, or the top 20. And do you eat protein bars? I love them. Okay, so look up the top 10 and order like one of each and do a test. Do a taste test, try some stuff, and then ring them and say, actually, yours was rubbish, but I'd still like you to sponsor my videos. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You might find some you love. You might find some you hate, but you're operating from a position of knowledge. And I think there's, I don't know, how many protein bar manufacturers are there in the UK? How many protein bar manufacturers are there in the US? I've seen the shelves of Walmart and Target. There's like an entire aisle of protein bars. Yeah. Like, there are brands everywhere. <laughs> there are. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've probably been way too selective in the brands that I've reached out to. But again, for first pass, I'm over the moon that I've landed one of them. And I think that was co- going to be kind of the next step. How do I, A, go back and reach out to some of these other brands? Because I'd kind of given up with some of the brands in my initial 12. So just message them again. Like, we should be messaging them. There's 10 companies there. Message them once a month. It's going to take you an hour. Like, be persistent. Don't let go. Message them, message them, message them. And if they don't come back to you, try their competitors. Try their competitors. Try their products. These people, I don't like their products anymore because they don't respond to me. So I'm (laughs) trying this competitor this month. And test them out and see what it is. Like, we just need to expand our thinking, try a few more things, contact more people. You've done a brilliant first job. Amazing. Don't stop there. 100%. I won't. (laughs) I certainly have no intention of stopping. Like, the only reason I'm saying this is because in the early days, I would contact five or ten housing associations. I'd get business with one and then get depressed that the other nine ignored me. Like, what are you doing, Alan? (laughs) My advice now is, like, contact all housing associations. There's, like, 500 of a size that need us in the UK. So we would contact them all, and I'd get seven leads. And then I would just go from there and build my business. And I'm no longer depressed that 450 or whatever ignored me because I've got seven leads, and I'm too busy making that business happen. We just need to expand and do more and, like, reach out to more people. And you're saying, how can you recommend them? Well, try their stuff. See if it's any good. Taste their protein bars. I mean, it's not a bad position to be in. Basically, just go and eat a bunch of bars. (laughs) Pretty much what I do anyway. What's the worst that could happen? You might find some you like. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Very true. I'm too loyal to these brands that haven't been messaging me back. Maybe it's time that I go a bit renegade. If they don't message you back, try someone else's product and keep going. I'm assuming you haven't tried every protein bar that exists yet. I haven't, though. That sounds like a challenge. I'd be very up for trying. That'd be an awesome video as well. (laughs) Uh, You say that. I'd love to do a protein bar comparison taste test. (laughs) That would be brilliant. You should. Get Anna to give me a blind taste test of a whole load of protein bars. That would probably go down really well, actually. 
It would do. People would love it, and they can see your face reaction to the different ones, uh, what it is. It'd be hilarious. It'd be great fun. Like, just try stuff. Test stuff. There's a huge thing about the taste of protein powder. Huge. Do a protein powder taste test. Yeah. You can actually create content whilst experimenting and finding the brands you want to work with. Yeah, 100%. I love, by the way, how you've actually just given me ideas for two videos, which actually it would be harder to create these videos if I was already linked to one of these brands right now. So I'm actually going to go away and make these as soon as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Do it and then tag them all in it, including the ones that get bad reviews. Tag everyone be completely honest and it'll be great fun and you will like, yeah, it'd be really interesting. 100%. I'm definitely trying this. So time has flown this episode. Uh, It's come to that time of the episode. What are you going to do based on this? Andrew, Linda, what are you committing to? What am I committing to Alan? So first of all, like I said, in terms of the YouTube channel, it's in a really great place. It's in a great place with how it slots in with my life. It's in a great place, fantastic place from how much money it's giving me. I'm, I'm loving that bit. <laughs> so the first thing I'm going to do is I am going to re, re, re reach out to the companies that I love. Actually, I'm going to inundate them with calls. And then what I'm going to do is I am going to have a, a trial of a whole load of products. I'm going to try them all, Alan. Protein powder, protein (laughs) bars, energy drinks. I'm going to try them all and actually reach out to a whole load of companies that I like off the back of that. I have tried very few. I'm I'm loyal to a very few select few companies. And those are the ones that in my head would be my Valhalla if they decided to sponsor a couple of videos or share something on on Instagram. That, That would be brilliant for me. But you know what? They haven't replied, so worst case scenario, it's their loss. Uh, So I'm going to reach out to a whole bunch of companies in the event that they don't reply. And actually, I'm also (laughs) going to do a blind taste test. I'm I'm actually really excited about that. I don't know how I hadn't thought of that before. I'm going to do a blind taste test, a whole bunch of protein powder, tag a lot of them, maybe trigger a few people. Love it. And yeah, I'm I'm gonna really enjoy doing that. And actually one thing I really wanna do is that where where I'm at at the moment, I couldn't have envisaged where I was in, in at the turn of the year. I really, really couldn't have. One thing I'd really want to do is write down on paper where I want to be by the end of the year. So we're halfway mm. through the year, roughly, at on, on filming this video. I really wanna set myself some stretch goals with where I want the business to be in terms of like where, how it features in my life, maybe how much money it brings in, the sort of companies I'm working with. I don't have that written down. And just for all of you listening, I'm not talking about a business plan. We know how Alan feels about those. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about something written down, a goal, essentially, of where I want to get Cali to the crowd now that it's making money. I love that. And yeah. Those things basically are, Alan can see, I've got my pen. Those are things that I've written down as things I want to do. I love that. Uh, They reckon the energy bar market in the UK is going to grow by 50% over the next, up until 2025. It is growing significantly. Yeah, all of those are going to be sales from Cali to the crowd. So I love what you've committed to. That is fantastic. And I'm actually like, I am not against goals and writing stuff down. You know, I write everything down. Just a formal business plan where you say the market for protein bars is X billion. I'm going to capture 3% of that and I will live forever happily is a load of rubbish. It never works like that. You forgot about one part, Alan. I'm going to capture 3% of that. And because I'm so certain of it, I'm going to bet the family house and borrow Borrow money off the back of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I love those goals. I think that's fantastic. I obviously have written them down so that I can check back in with you next call and find out what happens. Everyone listening to this, what I would really like you to take from this is it's the speed with which you get things done. 
Like Andrew has set up an incredible rhythm where he does one video a week and he just does that and it builds up over the years into something incredible, something incredible. And alongside that, he's reaching out to the brands, he's working on this and he's doing things every single week. If you can set it up so that you do one thing a week towards your business and then between that you do the different activities, it is incredible how that progress compounds over time to build something amazing. You just have to do it every single week. So just as Andrew has committed to do something now, everyone listening, get out your pen, get out your paper, stop the car, like put the kids away for a second, do whatever it is. What are you committing to doing this week? Pick three things that will move your business forward that you can do this week and start taking action. The magic starts when you start. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Go make it happen. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.